Greetings, I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. Welcome. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now, if we choose to. But then again, we could just listen to the experts, which has always served us so well. Well, here just the other day, there was word concerning Putin's Russian regime desiring to build its first nuclear-powered aircraft carrier. What caught my attention, among other things, was the time frame or the timeline with regard to this. It was stated that development of this new nuclear-powered aircraft carrier was expected to begin in 2023. Development, as in research and development, presumably doing research now and then development to begin in 2023, four years hence, and that the ship could be delivered perhaps by the late 2030s. So that really got my attention, because after all, Vladimir Putin is not a young man. He has grandiose ambitions, to say the least. He is a cutthroat who orders assassinations, and whether they happen to be sophisticated ones using nuclear poisons that can be traced directly to Putin's regime, but from which he manages somehow or other to claim some plausible deniability, even though the orders come direct from him, but wanting any prospective enemies to fear and dread the power of the mighty regime regardless where they might be in the world. And then the others, the other assassinations closer to home, within the confines of Russia, Mother Russia, gangland-style murders, usually by firearm. If not by firearm, by bomb. If not by bomb, then by being arrested and torturously beaten to death or shipped off to Siberia, to the gulags, or confined to mental hospitals and subjected to torture via psychiatrists. All very, you know, very impressive ways to deal with people, with people that he doesn't care for, that he's upset with, that he takes umbrage with. And in these respects, he is remarkably similar to Kim Jong-un, torturously murdering an uncle, torturously murdering a half-brother, having him assassinated uh, away from home. But 
monstrously assassinating Christian pastors from South Korea who are in China, in communist China, of all things, in order to assist people that are escaping from North Korea, from that wonderful, idyllic North Korea that has such vast potential, according to President Donald Trump, but these people escaping, risking their lives and (laughs) escaping, as was true with regard to the East Germany and the other Eastern European nations, East Berlin, risking their lives Not merely risking their lives, but with a very great likelihood of dying in the process. And a small, small possibility of succeeding. But, anyway, Vladimir, interestingly enough, even though he has had to cut back on production of some absolute cutting-edge, state-of-the-art weapons systems that are considered to be superior to what there is in the West, superior significantly to what NATO has in Europe, and superior to the weapons systems of the United States of America even. But that may seem redundant with us being in NATO. But nonetheless, yes, he has cut back, supposedly, on production of weapons systems because of being short of money. And yet, instead of producing weapons systems that are exceedingly outstanding and superior worldwide and with great applicability to warfare against, let's say, oh, Europe, (laughs) the NATO nations, and so forth. Instead of that, he wants to engage supposedly in producing a nuclear aircraft carrier that will be smaller than those of the United States of America, which the United States of America has many. Ten, I believe, stationed around the world. Nope, 11. The United States has 11. Russia has none. But he wants to develop one, even though it would be smaller than those of the United States of America. I'm just not buying it. I think this is something in the way of subterfuge from this Putin-Russian regime, gangster regime, pulling the wool over the eyes of those in the West. It makes no sense. Instead, given his aspirations for world empire, It would make a whole lot more sense to continue full tilt with production of these new tanks and new fighter planes and, perchance, some additional nuclear-powered submarines, and the list goes on. 
It just doesn't make any sense. So I'm completely discarding this. If <laughs> if he is actually doing this, it's just for prestige. That's all. But again, it would not be rolled out until the late 2030s. All right? So we're talking about this is 2019. What would be the late 2030s? Well, you know how these things go with cost overruns and being behind schedule. How about optimistically 2039, 20 years from now, when Putin will be 85, I believe? That would make sense, wouldn't it? (laughs) I really don't buy it. But anyway, again, Russia has invested heavily in research and development, as well as, of course, mining (laughs) the blueprints, (laughs) the specifics of United States R&D efforts, coming up with the most state-of-the-art equipment, weapons systems. And it is remarkable that here in the United States of America, even though we have a competitive system and we have capitalism in, if not a pure form, nonetheless, it is ever so much truer to capitalism than what passes for capitalism in Russia, in, in the, the gangster land there. Not that there isn't gangsterism here in the United States of America. There is. We have had thugocracy presidents and what have you. But nonetheless, I just find it fascinating that the United States military, via its extremely well-heeled defense contractors, not unusually rolls out weapons systems that are fatally flawed, that are exceedingly deficient and horribly, obscenely much more expensive than they are supposed to be. Well, Russia which is known for massive corruption from the top down, of course, is going to be even more subject to these forces. But with regard to Vladimir Putin's ambitions, why would he want to endanger his illustrious position as dictator, de facto dictator for life in Russia. Well, he has a burning lust for power. And he's not satisfied with what he has in Russia. He wants to gather up all of the other nations, the free nations and formerly free nations, which were crushed under totalitarian communist Soviet Union. He wants to enslave them all again. Georgia, Ukraine, Moldova, 
Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania, and the list goes on. But those are the frontline nations along his western border or perimeter. And he is bent on rolling these into his empire, his modern-day empire. And frankly, he has the ability to do that. He has the power to do that. He has the military to do that. And he is being exceedingly foolish to cut back on the production of any of these really state-of-the-art weapon systems in order to pursue an aircraft carrier that will not be coming off the production line likely for another 20 years. That just makes no sense. The United States of America, we have these two coastlines, major coastlines, without, you know, <laughs> without involving Hawaii and Alaska and Guam and Puerto Rico and what have you, but just looking at the continental or contiguous United States of America, the coasts, the west and east coasts, Pacific and Atlantic. And while some people would disagree, some people would (laughs) take issue with this, this entirety of these coastlines could be, and rightly so, termed temperate climate regions. That's right, including Maine. (laughs) Uh, Yes, it would still, these would be temperate climate regions compared to the coastlines of the former Soviet Union continent (laughs) that it takes up so much of, of Putin's Russian regime. Yes, he has an Arctic coastline, which the United States has a a portion of Arctic coastline around the northern end of Alaska, but nothing to compare with Russia. And then Russia has its eastern coastline, which is anything but temperate, but is still not as frozen as Russia's northern coastline. And then Russia has a little bit of just a smidgen of coastline here and there on the west and the southwest. But why do I mention that? It's just that with reference to naval power, while Putin would gladly have (laughs) the naval power that the United States of America has, he doesn't need it in order to accomplish his ambitions with regard to rolling over easternmost Europe and then further over the rest of Eastern Europe and then over Western Europe, Northern Europe, Western Europe, Southern Europe, and Scandinavia. 
the only time he's going to need naval power, frankly, is to take on the U.K. or take on the United States of America. He doesn't need it to go after Israel if he wants to do that. He just doesn't need it. So it's wasteful, it's foolish of him to engage in, in this silliness about nuclear aircraft carriers. Instead, to focus on weapon systems, of which he already has <laughs> some, many, that can take on our aircraft carriers, and also on bombers, more of his old, old technology, Nuclear bombers that have new nuclear bomb missile capability and are able to reach around the world. Speaking of reaching around the world, as recently as just one year ago, and there probably have been instances since then, but this just happens to be one that I'm aware of, is that two of his bear bombers carrying nuclear missiles, nuclear warhead-tipped missiles, were intercepted off the coast of Alaska. Gasp! What were they doing? What were they thinking? (laughs) That's right. United States Air Force stealth fighter jets intercepted them and escorted them away. (laughs) Well, this has happened before. This is not... Not a first event. It's happened off of Guam. And it has also happened in the Caribbean, in the vicinity of Cuba. But what is this? Is this just saber-rattling? Is this playing chicken? What is this about? Why would the Russian bear want to mess with Texas, right? Don't mess with Texas. With the United States of America, why? It's reminiscent of Hitler not being content to take all of Europe and just to focus on crushing, enslaving all of Europe and then leaping over to Britain. Instead, getting diverted and going after Russia. For Russia not to focus on, solely on, Eastern Europe, all of Eastern Europe, and Western Europe, and what have you, and instead to focus on the United States of America, seems like a very odd and poor strategy, to say the least. But again, with regard to these bear bombers... They have, again, been intercepted by United States fighter aircraft off of Guam in the past. And in the Caribbean, in the vicinity outside of Cuba. Now, I mentioned before about Putin's Russia's Navy, Russian Navy, joining forces with Xi Jinping's Chinese Navy in their Sino-Russian naval exercises. This is an annual event. 
But Russia has warships. They have cruisers. They have destroyers. They have submarines, nuclear-powered submarines. Major nuclear-powered submarines. When I say major, I mean of the first rank. So they have significant naval forces, just not aircraft carriers. They have one aircraft carrier, but it is old technology, and it has had problems galore, and it was seriously damaged last year, I believe it was, while it was in dry dock. It was a very curious thing, but it was seriously damaged. It was sunk while it was in dry dock. Uh, the dry dock, the portable dry dock that it was on, which was supposed to be state-of-the-art and was from Sweden, I believe, sunk. And then a crane fell on it and seriously damaged it. So the question is, do they throw good money after bad? Do they patch up this older and problem-ridden aircraft carrier, or do they build a shiny new nuclear one? Well, if they have any sense, they will do neither. Literally, neither. But (laughs) it's fine with me if they waste their time and money on pursuing nuclear aircraft carriers, uh, nuclear-powered aircraft carriers. But Again, this joint sea drill between Russia's Navy and China's Navy. Is there any significance to it? Is it just for PR purposes? Is it just for saber-rattling purposes? Is it just for bragging rights? Is that what it's all about? Putin's Russian regime, his gangster regime, Xi Jinping's communist gangster regime, of China. They both employ vast amounts of their resources building up their military to be as powerful as possible. And is it just for bragging rights? Is it just for saber rattling? Is it just some ego trip and they really don't intend to do anything with these vast militaries, this tremendous military might and power that they are putting together? Is, you know, is that all it is? Because, of course, our wonderful Democrat presidential aspirants are of that opinion. They, you know. They and their experts, and so many experts, you know, experts on both sides of the aisle, they believe this is really what it's about. They all want peace and prosperity, after all. That's all they want. All these powers want, all these vicious, thuggish, murderous regimes, all they want is peace and prosperity. They, they're envious of us, but that's all. Meanwhile, just like the Sino- Russian naval exercises. So there are these peace missions, these anti-terrorist war game peace missions between Russia, Putin's Russian regime, and Xi Jinping's 
communist Chinese regime. Xi Jinping being the official Chinese communist president for life. Official, not unofficial, like Putin. <laughs> like Putin, president of the Russian Federation. And again, I mentioned that they brought in Kyrgyzstan and Kazakhstan and Uzbekistan and Tajikistan and so on and so forth. Former slave states of the Soviet Union were included in this. Very interestingly. Why is that? Because they are direct allies of Putin's Russian regime. And you find their leadership is communist and with the heavy salting of Islamist also. I know supposedly Putin is anti-Islamist, just like supposedly the communist regime is, but none in China. But nonetheless, what we are told, what we are supposed to believe is one thing, what is reality is another thing. Supposedly, communism and Islam can never coexist. And yet we find that kind of an evil partnership in Africa time and again. So, But again, this peace mission, this wonderful peace mission, anti-terrorist, the largest annual anti-terrorist military exercise, which clearly, unmistakably is focused on anything but terrorism. The focus is on a major land war, conventional land war, and featuring the most state-of-the-art weapons systems that communist China and Putin's Russia have. Again, is it just saber-rattling? Is it just... Bragging rights, if it was just saber-rattling, they wouldn't be pretending that these are peace mission exercises. They wouldn't be pretending that they are anti-terrorist when they are clearly not. No. They're using subterfuge to cloak what they're really about. If we go back to World War II, but before I go further, let me just say, I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. And whatever is right and true and good in these programs is thanks to God Almighty and His Holy Son, Jesus Christ. Whatever is lacking, erring, deficient, that's on me, that's due to me. So... What is it all about, really? If we go back to World War II and World War I, what do we find? And to the Korean War. And to the Vietnam War. What do we find? And, of course, the Gulf Wars. We find coalitions, or if you prefer, confederacies, of nation regimes coming together, being formed. The Axis powers during World War II, Hitler's Nazi regime, Mussolini's fascist Italy, Hirohito's imperialist Japan, 
You find the same kind of thing in World War I without there being Nazism. And without there being fascism. Come forward on this side of World War II, and we have the Korean War springing up just afterwards. And what do we have? Oh, it is a civil war between North Korea and South Korea. Hogwash. Absolute profane lie. What it was, was communist Soviet Union in conspiracy with communist China and communist North Korea versus South Korea. And then we have the Western coalition that is formed and goes in there to oppose this. So too in Vietnam. It was Korean War redux. It was Korean War do-over. And we have communist Soviet Union, communist China, and communist North Vietnam versus free independent South Vietnam, just as had been the case in the Korean War with free independent democratic South Korea. The difference being that whereas the West, courtesy of President Truman, put the brakes on, stopped, forced his commander, Douglas MacArthur, to cease and desist from pursuing the enemy, from driving the enemy back and declared a truce which has been on the verge of being shattered ever since, courtesy of communist North Korea's bloody ambitions for the South. But in Vietnam, we had Dr. Henry Kissinger's puppet, Richard Milhouse Nixon, entering into uh, Paris Accord, Paris Treaty, with, you know, supposedly North Vietnam. When in point of fact, the enemy was the combined powers of the Communist Soviet Union and Communist China. And we, we issued a, a panic Removal of all forces, all United States forces, a panic retreat from Vietnam. And what happened as a result of that was the slaughter, the monstrous, grievous slaughter of multitudes of brave, God-fearing, Christian. South Vietnamese. Oh, but, you know, it was Richard Milhouse Nixon's finest hour. So what is it that Putin's Russian regime and Xi Jinping's communist regime are about? 
What are these peace missions about? What are these naval exercises about? I mean, we engage in various different military exercises and naval exercises, joint exercises with other Western nations. What I found to be horrifying was this one particular such exercise that is up, I, I think it's in South Korea, I don't know, but it includes, it includes their arch enemies. And I was just shocked at it, but I'll have to find uh, the story on that and uh, fill you in on that at a later time. But, again, are they just playing at this? Are Putin's regime and Xi Jinping's regime just playing at this? Do they really intend to do what everything indicates they are intending to do? Well, President Donald Trump, he he takes Kim Jong-un at his word, you know. He's a great leader of his people and all this. And all he wants is peace and prosperity for his nation. Yeah. You know, again, this is what we believe about communist China. This is what we believe about Putin's regime. Well, speaking of Putin's regime, here five years ago now, He happened to arrange for his regime to begin operating again from the base that the Soviet Union had in Lourdes, Cuba. Yes, Lourdes like in France, but, a, but with a distinction here. Lourdes... It gave the Soviet Union eyes in the whole of the Western Hemisphere. And for Putin's Russia, it would be the same. It was the Soviet Union's single largest base of operations outside of Soviet Union territory. It was manned by approximately 3,000 people, all military and intelligence personnel, located 155 miles from the United States coastline. Vladimir Putin arranged for his Russian Federation, to reopen that base five years ago. Interestingly enough, that was just one half year after a Russian spy ship was detected docking in Havana. Havana. Yes. A Russian Vishnia-class warship. There was no explanation from Communist Cuba, no. But the Viktor Leonov, it predated 
the reopening of this massive spy base by six months. With regard to these wonderful, peace-loving, peace-seeking regimes. With regard to their intents. As unlikely as it seems that they would be bent on attacking the United States of America, as unlikely as that actually factually seems, nonetheless, there are any number of things to indicate that that is in the works. Any number of things. Even though it seems like, of course, they would not do that until they had accomplished all of their other ambitions. Of course, they would focus first and foremost, in the case of Putin, enslaving all of the nations that were enslaved under the Soviet Union for so long, for 70 years, and then rolling on through Western Europe. And of course, once he would have the advantage of forward bases in Western Europe, NATO and United States of America, which is part of NATO, would have great difficulty striking at Russian forces without endangering the civilian populations of Western Europe. Russia, unlike the United States of America has far fewer soft targets. The United States of America is absolutely chock full with very tantalizing soft targets. Russia, not so much. Yes, there's Moscow. Yes, there's St. Petersburg. And then it starts to become very (laughs) scarce And again, once Putin's forces roll over all of Eastern Europe before NATO responds, (laughs) before NATO responds in a way that is significant enough to stop the Russian forces' progress, once Russia's forces are able to penetrate into Western Europe, then NATO and United States of America have great difficulty responding without seriously endangering civilian populations in Western Europe. Yes, they can strike at Russia. (laughs) And yes, they can try pinpoint accuracy bombings and so forth of Russian forces. 
Russian weapons systems. But guess what? The Russian weapons systems are not to be likened to Saddam Hussein's in Iraq. This is a totally, completely, utterly different ball game, to use that terminology. What's more, there is always the possibility that Russia might just unleash its nuclear might. And while the United States of America, perhaps, I say perhaps, perhaps has as much capacity for first strike, they don't for second, third, fourth, fifth strike. United States of America, courtesy of that outstanding president, Barack Hussein Obama, and other outstanding presidents like Bill Clinton and his co-president Hillary Rodham, has an exceedingly diminished nuclear stockpile. So as far as the mad, mutually assured destruction formula, in point of fact, it's not fair to refer to it that way any longer because there is such a significant numerical advantage for Russia and China (laughs) over the United States of America. But oh my, we have been so well served by our nation's leaders, and we will be so well served in the future, no doubt. But As George W. Bush took the measure of the man, Vladimir Putin, and could see into his soul and see that this was a man that he could work with. A man who wanted the same things that he wanted. Peace, prosperity for his people, and so forth. So too we have the same kind of dynamic with President Donald Trump. If we care to delude ourselves, we can imagine that one of these outstanding Democrat candidates, Joe Biden, Elizabeth Warren, Kamala Harris, Pete Buttigieg, oh my, uh, that they have the right stuff, right? So, it's exciting. Plain, simple truth is that Putin's Russian regime, Xi Jinping's communist Chinese regime, are not only hell-bent on aggression against Neighbors, neighboring nations. But also, in the case of communist China, Hong Kong, which is now officially part of communist China. Shame on Britain, yet again. (laughs) What a legacy. But 
And I say that having a great deal of my lineage from Britain. But what a shameful, disgraceful action by Great Britain, and they have had so many of them. But, and of course, Taiwan. Not to mention South Korea, Japan, Guam, Okinawa, Philippines. Oh, yes, and supposedly communist China is enemies with Vietnam. Even though Vietnam exists as a communist regime, as a communist power, because of communist China. But, among other things. But interestingly, even though they have these unquenchable lusts to conquer these neighbors, to subjugate them, to enslave them, and others, such as Israel, in the case of Russia. But in addition to that, they have engaged in all manner of spycraft against the United States of America for decades now. Not just former Soviet Union, supplanted by, if you will, Putin's regime, even though there was an interlude, of course. But communist China has been focused on subverting the United States of America. It has employed vastly more spies in the United States of America than the Soviet Union ever did in its heyday of the Cold War, so-called. But in addition to that, they have engaged in one provocation after another, after another, targeting United States pilots with lasers to blind them and cause them to crash. Yes, even within our coastal waters, outside of Seattle, (laughs) right? These are the kinds of things they've engaged in, in addition to the chicken games off the coast of communist China. Meanwhile, Putin's Russia has engaged in the same thing using its bear bombers, nuclear payload bear bombers. Where? Off the coast of Alaska, over Guam. In the Caribbean. Fascinating. But again, they only want peace and prosperity. You know, that needs to be the mantra. We need to just absolutely convince and persuade ourselves of that. That is all that communist China wants. That's all that Putin's Russian regime wants. So what are we to do about it? Well, I'll tell you what we will do about it. We will do nothing about it. But as far as what we should do about it, we should become cozy with North Korea, (laughs) by all means. Even though it's a satellite slave state of these combined peace mission superpowers, nuclear superpowers, 
communist China and Putin's Russian regime. It owes its existence to these historically and continually and perpetually. And North Korea's forces factor in. When anything is discussed about possibility of some sort of conflict between Putin's Russian regime and the United States of America, they will do a statistical analysis. They will look at the troop strength and the the numbers of weapons systems and so forth and compare the two. Foolishness, because, again, we're not talking about it being one nation versus one nation. This will be a combined effort if it happens. And they want it to happen in their lifetimes. Putin's Russian regime, Xi Jinping's communist Chinese regime, Kim Jong-un's North Korean regime. Yes, he has a million-man-plus army. Yes, he has numerically the largest fleet of submarines in the world, but they're hardly state-of-the-art. By no means state-of-the-art. Not nuclear, so forth. So, hey, they're insignificant. That just doesn't matter, right? (laughs) There are times when systems that are something less than state-of-the-art can play a critical role. (laughs) But then there are these other nations. Oh, but there's NATO, right? And oh, yes, the great resolve and the courage of the NATO nations, right? Of Germany and France and Italy and UK and so forth. Oh, my. Yes, very scary for Putin. (laughs) But the only, (laughs) realistically, the only thing that causes me to believe that this is not the most likely scenario, is the fact, is the biblical fact that the coming world regime, which will engulf all of the world, except for Israel, that the ones behind it are backing a leader who is offspring of the former Grecian, then Roman Empire. And even though I have seen, (laughs) I have mentioned on one of my websites about the similarity in appearance, striking similarity between Vladimir Putin and Augustus Caesar, that apart from that, you know, I, I still find it hard to believe 
that that he could possibly fill the bill because he just doesn't match many requirements of that position. But so as far as Russia and China and North Korea and so on and so forth, managing to subjugate the world, no. But they could certainly cause all kinds of trouble, including that they could, that Putin's Russia, combined with communist China, North Korea, could nuke the United States of America for sure. But time will tell. I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now if we choose to. Thank you. Thank you.